to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. This is the Game 1 pregame show against the Winnipeg Jets, and I guess we'll just jump in with right away our just initial reaction to, and I guess feelings towards tonight. So I know you're going to want to talk a little bit more about the comparatives between Colorado and Vegas, but I'll just jump in first and say that while my reaction is, yeah, the Habs are, let's say, like tired, I wouldn't say that this automatically counts them out. I would just look for people to like curb their expectations. We kind of came off like a big adrenaline high in terms of uh, the Montreal Game 7, and I think that might cross over a little. So I would say look for high competition level, but just there might be some, some actual physical errors rather than mental ones. Yeah, I think if we, you know, coming off that series is clearly like emotionally draining, but in terms of physicality, like, that that wasn't by, like, any stretch of the imagination, like, a physical series. Like, there wasn't, you know, it, our guys aren't beaten up physically by any means. So I'm not too worried about that or any, like, you know, lingering injuries from that series, mm-hmm. uh, the exception of maybe Josh Anderson in Game 1. But, you know, there wasn't any clear, uh, you know, guys getting bruised up in that series. It was, you know, not a lot of hitting, kind of, you know, no real, like, huge, oh, my God, hits. Mm-hmm. Um but definitely like a mental toll, I think. Like, you know, all that, you know, a comeback like that, you know, you know, getting yourself pumped for every single game that's do or die, like that takes a bit of, a, like, it, you know, there's a bit of depletion going on there. And like, you know, then going on to a game that, you know, it matters, but it's not, you know, three elimination games in a row kind mm-hmm. of matter. So like, I think that's what'll, what'll probably sh- manifest most on the ice. But I think specifically what'll uh, suffer the most uh, in terms of play, is probably our defense, just because those guys have the, those top four been, you know, basically logging thirty minutes a game, mm-hmm. uh, and they're, you know, in the uh, older category on our team. Um, so, if anything, you know, I, I'm not worried about like, you know, the demo line yeah. Suzuki. I'm not worried about Kakanyani. Like all those guys should be fresh. I mean, we ran four lines basically. No one got really heavy minutes there at the end, but. You know, for those guys like Petrie, Edmondson, Sherrod, Weber, you know, logging 27, 28 minutes, a little more worried about that. And also, uh, I'm not worried about Carey Price, but if there was a game I would be worried, it would be tonight just because, like, I can imagine, you know, like, he, he, he got physically beat up during the series. I mean, like, you know, they got a lot of shots on him. Yeah. And uh, every game for him was basically do or die. So, yeah, how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I think the mental errors aren't going to be the issue. Like I, like you're saying, like, I think just in terms of being gassed, I don't think like, you know, they're out of shape per se, but I mean more like the mental errors of like, you know, they're, they're going to have, you know, uh, sloppy, like sloppy. That's what I mean by physical versus mental errors. So like a physical error would literally be like, like a Mitch Marner dumping it out kind of thing. That's just kind of the difference between having like a fresh set of legs on the ice. And that, that those are the little things that can pile up. Um, overall, though, I'm I'm looking forward to this matchup a little bit more because, like we kind of touched on the uh, series preview, this is a lot more of a kind of like puzzle piece fit where they have bigger forwards and smaller D, yeah. and we have smaller forwards and bigger D, and yeah. so they also have like a much better top six, but we have a much better bottom six. Exactly. So like, it, it just it, yeah. it works out well. So it's really gonna be. I mean, it's definitely gonna be a. Uh, game of inches out there it's everything's gonna matter especially with basically i would say the two best goalies in the league going at it but um yeah it's it's gonna be hard to tell we're gonna see tonight really 
Um, what, we'll Winnipeg, see early on. Yeah, when, well, when what I was going to say is we're, we'll see what Winnipeg is made of rather than we'll see what the Canadians are made of. I think, not, again, throwing this game away, the Canadians could very well win this game, but I think we'll see kind of the best performance from Winnipeg all yeah. series. Like, yeah, the way I'm approaching this game is, you know, it's still a playoff game. It's huge. You don't want to go down one nothing. but my my point is, is like if, if Winnipeg wins this game, I'm not super worried about the Canadians, but if the Canadians win this game, I'd be very worried if I was a Winnipeg Jets fan. Yes, that's, that's exactly it. it. I kind of look at it almost like two kind of opposing lines here mm-hmm. where basically Winnipeg, I think game one is going to be their strongest game and it's going to kind of slowly dwindle down yeah. where the Canadians complete opposite. And we're going to see, I'd say like around game three, that crossover point which is kind of where I would think probably the closest. Like, that definitely can be an overtime game. And then just the Canadians slowly, bit by bit, kind of get that ramping up and resiliency Mm -hmm. going. Um, The one thing, actually, that Josh Morrissey said, I was listening to the um, press conferences they had either last night or this morning even, he said, you know what, you know, you look at the record against the Canadians and we were 6-3-0, but three of those wins came yeah. in over time. So he's like, really, we split the season series three and three, and then we had three uh, twin, uh, coin tosses, yeah, especially, which could have gone uh, either way. Especially that was in the era where we had some like very, very funky overtime yeah. line combinations. Like Every time you know we went to overtime, it was Deno, Byron, Petrie for some reason kept on losing and mm-hmm. just never changed it. So I and, think we've learned our lesson. Yeah, and, it, and it's not, like, I mean, we definitely learned our lesson there, and it's also just not a factor because there's yeah, no three out of three. Five, so. But it's just, it's nice to see that, you know, like, Josh Morrissey is respecting, like, it's good to see that this is, you know, we're, we're being taken seriously. I yeah. think now that we've two years in a row proved everyone wrong, that, you know, the Canadians are not the, uh, oh, they're the worst team. They limped into the playoffs. It's like, nope, they're in the second round of the playoffs, yeah. and they're um, neck and neck. Like, yeah, it's nice to, to see, but it definitely, like, goes against us. Like, yeah, we, we want to be, a, yeah, we wanna be uh, you know, like, not taken yeah, seriously. Yeah, underestimated. Um, you know, but that being said, I, I don't think it's a stretch to imagine that, you know, during Winnipeg's time off, they were preparing for the Leafs. I mean, like, I think yeah, most I people had checked this out at 3-1, which, like, mm-hmm. is fair enough. Like, I, you know, coming back, from, you know, from a 3-1 uh, series uh, um, lead is, is not very common. Like, that doesn't happen very often unless you're the Leafs, but... Um, you know, that time off was definitely, I mean, the coaching staff, you, you'd have to look at them questionably if they spent that time, like, focusing on the Canadians. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that'd be, like, a little silly, right? So, um, plus, I think, you know, the guys, especially in Winnipeg, like, they had a pretty big rivalry going with Toronto during the, during the season. Like, those were some of the roughest games in the North. Yeah, and it, go- it goes back to that uh, Matthews and Line A draft mm-hmm. where the two teams kind of got pitted against each other as, like, yeah. who has the better star. I mean... We, yeah, we know where the better now, star but is, but it, it just, it created that first kind of, like, yeah. spark that just, but it, they're it definitely, continued Yeah, through, they're yeah. definitely mentally preparing for a battle like that, mm-hmm. whereas, like, uh, you know, it works in our favor because, you know, we're basically the inverse of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, like, we have fantastic defense, not super strong star finishers up front, um, you know, solid goaltending, you know, the Leafs, you never kind of really know what you're going to get there. Um so, you know, it, it's very, very inverse, um, you know, seeing how that plays out. I just, tonight, I, like I said, whatever, however the halves play tonight, as long as it's not, like, lazy, uh, I'll, I'll be okay with the showing just because, like, this schedule is a little bit uh, not in our favor right now. But, you know, I, 
I can also see, um, you know, them riding this high. And well, that's it. And, you know, there's a very... Um, I'd be more worried scenario. if we were bruised up. Yeah. Like, if we, if we played Winnipeg in the first round and we were going into a, a team like Toronto or a team like Edmonton, I'd be a little bit more worried just because I know, like, this series is definitely going to bruise us up. Yeah, no, that, for sure. And I think also a very likely scenario is that, you know... The, both goalies come to play, and both teams basically cancel each other out, and it's going to come down to a very similar, like in Toronto, where Paul Byron gets that one chance shorthanded, yeah. or you know, one bounce here, one bounce there. It could, it could very well come out to be something one of these one nothing games, two one games, yeah. which again, these are no predictions of any kind, but it's just those things where there, there's games that are in between seven nothing and zero zero. So yeah, I think yeah, putting the bow on on my perspective on the fatigue thing tonight i think if something does go wrong it'll be the defense being more mentally checked out for this game just just from the minutes that they're logging and i think that'll just manifest as like a lack of creativity and like a lack of uh willingness to do that take that extra second to see where the puck's going and i think that would show up as you know jeff petrie getting right into carrie price's face and, and letting a screen in or uh you know, uh, Jeff Petrie or, or Edmondson, I don't want to pick on anyone, but going into the corner and instead of taking that extra second to see who's down ice, just kind of like throwing it along the boards and then we can't get out of the zone for five minutes. Like I could see that, like more like lack of creativity stuff. I don't think we're going to see any, uh, you know, lack of hits tonight or lack of shots. I think our forwards are going to be pumping. I think it'll more just be the, uh, the, the guys, uh, down low. Okay. That's fair. Um, was there anything else you specifically wanted to go over the game before I just jump into something else? Uh, the game, yeah, I wanted to just go over the matchups really quick. Okay, just let's do uh, that first. not like the the points or anything like that. I just wanted to see like where you know yesterday we were more looking at the the team as a whole and mm-hmm. how we played against Winnipeg. I want to look more at um, you know the line line by line, like where you think Pete like Deno is going to be a shutdown line again. Like, yeah. do you play that against the stats and Dubois? Ehlers, or do you play against the Shifley, Connor, Shifley, Connor, Wheeler? I mean, they actually asked Blake Wheeler, it was part of the press conference, where he said, you know what, we have to respect that, you know, Philip Deneau can shut it down like that, but we play every team's shutdown line every single night. He goes, it's something we're used to. Um, It's it's not like we, you know, we get the... uh, the, the easy defensive matchups where the top line on the team he just kind of basically came out to say like it's scary that he's aware of it yeah you know <laughs> it's like he he's aware of it and it's also just like he he's respecting it in the sense where like he knows it's not going to just be you know another night at the office basically yeah. but so you think we're playing Evans there yeah I think if there, I, I'm going to go with the assumption because uh, it's about quarter to four right now so the Habs haven't released anything that I've seen but I think that so that put that puts Gallagher on Connor. Yeah, I just I it just in general puts that line out there. I think I don't even know. If, Evans on Wheeler. Yeah, it just they might flip back and forth. Like I don't even think it'll be to that degree. I just think that whole line will just be moving around. Yeah, mark my words, our starting lineup will be Dano, Byron, and Anderson. Guaranteed. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Just like just to get the the pace going there, I think like you're looking for a big hit from that's the thing. with with the lines though. That's what I'm curious to see because I wouldn't be completely surprised if we had almost four new forward lines going into the series. Yeah, I, just I, just based off of like matchup potential, I just I don't know why we would play because we you don't play the Leafs the same way you play the the Jets. No. That's basically it. So I wouldn't be surprised if you saw. Well, they are similar. 
they are similar in the sense that they have a big one too. Yeah. You know, struggle on depth, but have potential there. And then, uh, well, well, the Leafs have potential on depth. There's no potential for the for the Winnipeg Jets depth. I mean, like, if you if you're taking Nate Thompson over Eric Stahl, you're out of your mind. But oh, yeah. <laughs> and then defensively, I mean, like defensively, they look a lot like the Leafs, except no Jake Muzzin and no Morgan Riley. I mean, like, you know, Josh Morrissey is a talented defenseman, but he's not Morgan Riley. Mm-hmm. And like Neil Pionk, like, yeah, he's having a great year, but again, like, not Morgan Riley. No, it's it's not it's it's a lesser version for sure. What I, what I mean more along the lines was, you know. Kotkaniemi probably plays in the top six before Suzuki and Caulfield probably drop to the bottom uh, yeah, six. No, I can see that. Which is just little things like that where, you know what, maybe... So maybe, um, not, maybe not change the lines, but change the position. On, yeah, lineups. Yeah, line, yeah, yeah oh, okay, exactly. Yeah, sorry, yeah. unless I misspoke. But no, I meant more like, I don't know who the line yeah, the lineups shuffle are going to be. Like, this is working. Yeah, I, I meant four new like positions yeah, for the no, team. Because that, I don't think they're going to go and now all of a sudden put like Gallagher with Kotkaniemi and this and that. Mm-hmm. But I mean like... I could see Kotkaniemi's line of him, Byron, and Anderson going up against the second line. Yeah. Whereas yeah. then you have Suzuki and Caulfield that get to play against the third line. Is Dubuk, Du Ehlers is on his proper right side now, right? Yeah, so that's the thing. Because he played left with line A. Eh, well, the, yeah, that's the, but he's, it's weird with their line because Dubois all three of them are left-hand shots. Yeah. But Dubois, but I know Ehlers likes the right that's side. That's it. He's he played. He was drafted as a right winger. Yeah. So I think Dubois on the left. Yeah, I think Dubois on the left. Statsy's in the middle. And okay, so that's Ehlers Anderson on, right. on Dubois. That's good. Yeah, yeah. See, that's the thing. And they they go back and forth. Obviously, yeah. they're about the same size too, yeah. which is good. Um, Kotkaniemi can handle Statsy, and then uh, Byron Neilers. That's actually. Oh, Byron Neilers. Yeah, yeah, sweet. That's yeah, not a bad. Yeah, it's not a bad matchup speed wise no, and good. defensively. Yeah. So no. that's why I can kind of see that line. Like, yeah, in a straight line, Ehlers will basically torch anyone in the league. Mm-hmm. But in terms of quickness, like they're probably the same. Yeah. Like I, I don't. And, think and if the, you're gonna put anyone on him, yeah, I don't think the human eye can tell the difference between the quickness of Byron and Ehlers. No. Like you know, and no one has straight line of ice. On him well, that's else, it, so. and and so it, it just it's one of those things it's where good I to think Byron's defensively. Yeah, kind of that's it. Strong. Just in terms of matchup, that's where my head goes a little bit more, and how they're performing because Kotkaniemi was a big goal yeah. scorer, so a little bit more minutes won't hurt. But again, that also really opens up the ice for Suzuki and Toffoli and um, Caulfield. Caulfield, which yeah, that'd be that could be one. a major factor going into this game if they're getting bottom six matchups mm-hmm. that could really change the pace yeah. of the game if they're getting bottom six matchups and we're running four lines like then that's huge so mm-hmm. you know I, I noticed a lot of the time what we did with with toronto was you know it wasn't just deno tailing matthews like we, what we did was uh we didn't force you know our our gameplay to the leafs like you know if they're going to play matthews obviously far more than they're going to play nash or kerfoot right but that didn't necessarily mean that we threw deno on every single time matthews was on because it keeps Dano fresh so that when that matchup is there, which is eighty yeah. percent of the game, then you know Dano's good to go. Uh, instead of them playing that game with you where they, you know, you see it all the time. I'm, I was watching it with uh, Colorado this morning with McKinnon with, with Vegas. It was insane. Like McKinnon would step on the ice, Vegas's line would jump on. Yeah. So then what they started doing in Colorado is they'd pull McKinnon off with like a fifteen second shift. The Vegas line would change, and the McKinnon would jump back on. Yeah, you know, you don't want to start doing that because then it starts getting, uh, you know, that you pull Dano's basically eyes off the game, and you, you you want him to be on Shifley, but you don't want him to be like just staring at Shifley. Well, you want him exactly. You want him to play that two hundred foot game. That doesn't mean you're playing the back half. Yeah, what's you important? Want to play the whole ice. Yeah, what's important here too though is the defensive matchups. Mm-hmm. So like we need Sherratt against that that. 
that top line. The, this is what that, I was with Wheeler there. Where, that... Whereas we needed Petrie and Edmondson out there mainly for Matthews' line, it's flipped now. I mm-hmm. want Petrie and Edmondson out there for Ehlers, Dubois, and Statsny, yeah. whereas now Sherrod and Weber, just they need to be on the ice against that first line. Yeah, and I'm just I'm surprised with Gustafsson and Kulak just because you know either Kulak, Romanov, or Romanov, um, Gustafsson, I think that would have been a slightly better physical matchup for their bottom six because you know the, the the Winnipeg bottom six are like basically goons like they're they're not going to produce much I mean like Nate Thompson just a pest like he just likes to get in people's face um you know very little offensive upside Adam Lowry basically useless yeah you know he's going to park his park himself the only one I worry about is Andrew Cobb yeah Andrew Cobb yeah he is he's got some, his breakout uh, potential yeah he's so. yeah so that's one danger there but I just mean more getting like guys like Lowry out in front mm-hmm. of the net because he really parks himself there. I was oh, watching yeah, some huge. highlights. Yeah, he's six five. And he's about so Gustafsson, Kulak, or Romanov, but all struggle with that guy. So um, you know, I, I have a feeling those top that top four is gonna you know continue to basically rack up thirty minutes a night. And yeah. that's it. And and you know what? Again, like I said, it's a few hours before the puck drops, so they might make a last minute yeah. decision. We haven't heard anything yet. But if that's really it about the game, I did have one thing I wanted to jump into just out of curiosity. So I'm I'm sticking with my bold prediction of Seattle, but I have the odds here in front of you because I don't know if you got a chance to look at them. I want to know who you think gets the first overall pick tonight. First so overall pick. That yeah, first I, column. I, I have a very good feeling about Seattle, like you I said yesterday, but just to make it a little bit more interesting, I'm going to go with Buffalo. Okay, so you're just going to go with the odds favorites? Yeah. Okay. And then... Yeah, it's, it's just interesting to, to look at because, I don't know, it's... it's Who's second? Second is Anaheim. Anaheim, yeah. But it, it's just... In, so, I mean, Where's for, New Jersey in that? That's what I... Yeah, I'm going to go through. So, it goes Buffalo first, Anaheim second, Seattle third, Jersey fourth, tied with Seattle in terms of odds. Uh, fifth would be Columbus, sixth, Detroit, seventh, San Jose, eighth, L.A., uh, Vancouver is ninth and Ottawa's tenth. What time is it at? Uh, I believe it's half an hour before the game. I think it's at seven. Okay, yeah. So you know, I'm. This is one of those years where you know Jesse and I would usually set up and like watch this properly. Yeah. You know, this is going to be such a shit show this year that like I yeah. almost I. Well, this is just the lottery. It's not yeah, even. Yeah, it's the just draft. the lottery. It's not we the have draft, two months but, before. I mean, like, yeah, I, the top three usually know who's going, right? Mm-hmm. But so that's what makes it interesting. But again, this year, like, I, you know, a guy who goes in. You know, Kakimiemi's position, like third, uh, you know, could easily go sixth or seventh this year. So, like, it's a bit less interesting, but uh, just because there's a far, there's far less consensus. I mean, like, the top more. It's less interesting at the top. It's more interesting at the bottom. Yeah, it's more. (laughs) It's actually interesting if you have a pick that's like below ten. Yeah. Above ten, sorry. Like you're 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 not in the top five because like there's realistic chance that you can really get a star there. Whereas in previous years, like. Yeah, you know, the Pasternak's happen. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Caulfield's happen. But that's not, you know, very common. No. Um, but this year, it definitely can happen. We can see Pasternak go 14, 15, 16. Well, and, and that's it, right? So it's I, I just look for, I, I meant more, though, as a gentleman's bet just for tonight. Mm-hmm. So you're going with the, the odds of it being the Buffalo. <laughs> I'm going with the uh, fact that this year was just weird. Yeah. 
And so I'm saying the weird kind of cherry on top would be that the new team starts with the first overall pick. Yeah. So another thing, we'll you know, I, we're not having our Sunday recaps anymore just because of with all this stuff happening. We basically have a podcast every day. Yeah, but, and there, it'd be weird to recap know, the games. Yeah, it'd be, yeah, it'd be <laughs> odd. It must be. Yeah, but the uh, there's even more rumors going around now with Seth Jones and the Canadians. Yeah. Apparently, Mark Bergeron's like literally inquired about him formally. Um, so Which that's interesting. interesting. You know, I I just. You know, I, I want to say it here now before, like, we get into these rumors in the offseason, but, like, I, you know, I, I love Seth Jones. I find he's a fantastic defenseman, but he's definitely an overrated defenseman. Like, yeah. you know, 28 points in 56 games with that many minutes, like, you've got to put that on a on a 60-minute game played and, like, really look at that stat properly because, uh, you know, he plays a lot more than Jeff Petrie, and Jeff Petrie, you know, got 12 more points. I think he aver- Jeff Petrie averaged, like, three and a half minutes less per game or something than that's Seth Jones. So. And the other thing to, to take also into account... That's what playing Zach Well, like, that's it. And, and I was going to say, the other thing to take into account, too, is his that... Salary. Like, he's, it's his salary. It's, if, he, if he wanted it's seven It's his defensive pay. role on the team, right? Yeah. Like, he's a guy who plays in all, all three zones. So he plays power play, penalty kill, and regular minutes. So, like, he should have better, like, you know, obviously, like, the... Uh, like normal staff, yeah. just like points, but his underlying numbers are just as like bad. Yeah, and I found it a good comparison with Petrie though, because like even though Petrie isn't as def- like slightly less defensively, uh, you know, consistent than Seth Jones, maybe a little bit more than slightly, but the fact is is that they play the same position on the team. Like like whether or not you agree Petrie should be on the penalty kill, he's on the penalty kill. Seth Jones is on the penalty kill. They both play the power play. And they both play significant minutes five on five, so it's a decent comparison. And again, like I'd take Seth Jones, I'd lock him down long term for seven and a half mil. But the the reality is, is this guy's going to want ten plus. That's it. And and just just in terms of talking a little bit more about those uh, underlying numbers for those like you know like analytics fans, they know who Jay Fresh is. It's just this guy who does like amazing analytics, and he basically puts it into kind of like these really yeah. easy to follow numbers. But in terms of percentile rank, the, the important thing here is we'll just talk about like war, which is the uh, wins against uh, replacement. So just basically, overall, Seth Jones, if you take him off the ice and put him in with a player who isn't Seth Jones, um, you know, what's his impact? He's about in the 42nd percent per, like area. Yeah. So he's, he's below, you know, the 50% line of like players that would replace another so there there's half the league well more than half the league that does a better overall job than he does you know and the, the one that really stands out is he's in you know he's he's in the bottom 10 percent of power play performers he's in the top 10 percent of pk performers so yeah. he's he's very much a defensive so guy think we're but... gonna start seeing in, in gm and hockey in, in general is like a, a much more a bigger shift to analytics with these mm-hmm. contracts because which it these, slowly has, but... These, like, under-the-table, like, comparison contracts are just so stupid. Because if the comparison itself was a bad contract, then, like, like it's just silly. Like, it, you know, like, they're comparing the contract to Drew Doughty. I don't think anyone right now would say that Drew Doughty is not overpaid. I mean, like, the guy's definitely well, overpaid. It. So, yeah. like, Eric Carlson overpaid. Yep. So, it's like, you, you know, you can't let that propagate for the next 20 years. I mean, like, you got to well, stop that's it, it And it's, it's, it's almost a benefit. Seth that Jones should not be getting paid 11 million. No, and, and it's almost a benefit, though. The, the cap's going to be flat for mm-hmm. a few years because it'll really pull people's salaries down, and then the comparisons will domino into yeah. it. But, I, I, you know, I'm just looking here now. It's... Because when you, when you look at Seth Jones, people think, like, he's, 
an elite defenseman and he's an offensive producer and like what it really comes down to is he's definitely a top pair defenseman there's oh, no doubt sure. about it however all of his defensive numbers are high enough that it's he's always above I mean, I'll put this, his his lowest defensive stat is the fact that he's sixty four percent above average in um, even strength defense. But all of his offensive numbers and his penalty taking are way way at the bottom of the league. Like I said, he's you know eight percent in the power play. He's thirty five percent or percentile in even strength offense, and he's twenty six percentile in penalty taking. So. The guy needs to work on his offensive game, and, you know, he's at that age where, like, it's not so much a, am I going to work on it, but it's just, like, this is kind of, this is him. You know, he's 26 turning 27, and you can't give a guy like that 11 mil because that's when it'll bite you in the ass. Because, you know, you get this guy as a shutdown guy with, let's say, uh, making up a, or, like, perfect example, a Zach Wierenski, he ends up looking really good. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's like, you know, I'm comparing Jeff Petrie to him, and Petrie's numbers are better, but at the same time, like, you know, for the vast majority of Petrie's career, he's been playing with patchwork, mm-hmm. whether it's Victor Mete or Brett Kulak or someone like that, or, Morgan, or uh, uh, Mike Riley. It's like, you know, this guy's had been stapled together with Zach Wierenski, where it's like, you know, Which is why, how much does that impact? Speaking him? outside of the Canadians, I think the best person that he could be playing with is Tori Krug. Mm. Oh, yeah. Tori Krug is the complete opposite. Yeah. Or, like, even, honestly... They're I'm, complete opposite, but it's, they're the same in, in the sense that we always say that it matches up well. Like, yes. he can keep up with Tori Krug. No, exactly. I was going to say, or for a guy who needs, basically, a resurgence in, in his game, like a Shane Gostisbehere. If, you know, let's just, let's deep dive for one second here. Let's say the Canadians go out and get Seth Jones, right? If they go out and get Shane Goss to Spear, that, like, analytically would work better than, let's say, him playing with Romanoff. Mm-hmm. And so that could be end up being one of those moves where Mark Bergman brings in, you know, um, Goss to Spear, and he basically mm-hmm. goes way off, you know, and, like, like way off in a good way. Like, he, br- he brings back his 70-point seasons, and he looked, you know, Bergman looks like a genius. But um, that only works if the players basically work well together. Because, mm-hmm. like, just bringing in Seth Jones doesn't mean that you're going to have a better deep pair. Yeah. So. It's also, you know, you have to start looking at, like, you know, do you, you know, do you bump Weber out of the third pair? Do you keep Seth Jones on his right think, hand? Or do you, like. Yeah, I think. You know, what would you have to happening? play on his offhand. That Someone, or, like, I. Petrie might. Petrie might. Or, like, you might have three full defensive lines that you can rotate equally. Mm. That's the other thing. Yeah, no, it's not three lines. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't mean have Weber play nine minutes. Ago. Yeah, no, no, exactly, definitely. But I'm just saying, like, you might end up with a um, Jones, then Weber, then Petrie kind of just rotation where, mm. you know, if, let's say, Jones is the only defenseman we brought in, you might have uh, Jones playing with, like, uh, Edmondson, Sherrod, and Weber, and then Romanoff, Petrie. Yeah, it's kind of like... It's kinda like um... Like St. Louis that year, where they had like Justin Falk on the third line. Yeah, exactly. It's you just know. it almost becomes a like a good problem to have. Yeah. But anyway, we'll. Uh, I'm yeah, sure we'll get there when we get, get there. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I, I'm always skeptical with this stuff. That you know, every, for the, every year, you know, it looked like you know we were getting Eric Carlson, then it looked like we were getting Johnny Gaudreau, and then you know what there other, was the John Tavares, John Tavares, Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall. Yeah. So it just goes on and on. I, you know, I'll hold my breath for this. I you know it, it's. 
I know I know Mark Bergman inquired about Eric, Eric Carlson and all that, and you know I you know I think everyone kind of inquires like you have to kind of know what's yeah, going on. You want to know what the asking price is. Yeah, I mean, the reality is he won't cost much. I mean, like you know, no, one like year Jones left won't. on his contract, and um, and making it public that he wants out. Yeah, so that like you know he patched us a little bit. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll have to see. But yeah, tonight I'm uh, you know nerves are a little quieter right now just because I'm I know. Uh, I'm not giving them a, a carte blanche here, but I, I just I, I can imagine like the mental toll this has taken. I just hope that uh, you know we leave Winnipeg with at least one game. Like that's going to be the important part. That's the goal. Yeah, that's the goal. And um, you know, if we take two, awesome. Oh, we win both games in Winnipeg. Yeah, it's just like I said. You know, I, I think it, it's more on Winnipeg right here. Like if they lose tonight, then if I was a Jets fan, I'd be a little worried just because mm-hmm. we're you know we're clearly not a hundred percent, and and you know, they they should be so. Yeah, we'll see. We'll uh, catch you guys in the first intermission. Thank you for listening to the Habs Puck Drop podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at habspuckdrop. We'll see you next time.